Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 36 of the Layfound Podcast, where we get together each episode to discuss the gems of cinema. And in this episode, we have a special guest. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for having us, Ashley. Um, Ashley is actually a returning guest. It's been a while since we've heard from you, so welcome. Um, and... I am your co-host, Richard, and here are my other co-hosts. Tyler, the fat lineman, Cunningham. And Kevin, let's not talk about him this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and we will get to that later this episode. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, it's been a while since we've all got together. Um, and I just want to mention that Patrick is not here with us today. Um, yeah, he's has a busy schedule so he'll not be joining us but we will hopefully see him on the next episode but uh first things first um let's catch each other up uh what have you know ashley what have you been up to it's been a long time since we've heard uh we've heard from you honestly nothing much i've just been like watching a bunch of movies i actually recently just moved to los angeles so this discord thing is very helpful with being able to do this podcast and stuff um but yeah nothing much with me right now what about you guys um Um, oh you go you go you good you good that was beautiful uh i uh i've been chilling working uh i just had covid though so i had to quarantine for like 11 days but it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. I wasn't too sick. I was just like super tired. But yeah, so I've actually yeah I've had a really boring last like ten days. Have so. you been uh Have you been watching anything uh, or doing anything like during your downtime? Oh, dude, I got so much, so much like shit done <laughs> of uh <laughs> when it comes to watching movies and shows. I finished Sopranos. Uh, caught up with Ted Lasso, caught up with, finished Rick and Morty the last season, which was crazy. Uh, and I watched a movie pretty much every night, like three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, I just watched, which was great. I was gonna Uh, suggest that, but I didn't know if you watched it yet or not. Dude, I also (laughs) just watched, I'm ashamed to say this, but I watched Back to the Future for the first time. Whoa, nice! Wait, why are you ashamed to say it? (laughs) <laughs> because I feel like I should have seen it like fifteen years ago. <laughs> I, I, I blame my dad; he never showed me. I have a question for you, Tyler. So, uh, did watching Mister Robot get you to watch that movie? Oh shit! To watch Back to the Future? No, not really. Actually, no. Oh well, I was gonna say uh, I've I'm a I, I jumped on the bandwagon with you and Richie. And I got back into Mr. Robot, and I'm on the oh, last yeah. season right now. Oh, oh yes. Oh, my God. And like, Dude, it's I, so good. I'm already dreading when it's going to be ending because I'm just like, oh, man, what do I use to fill the void? <laughs> Kevin, that, that was exactly how I felt. 
And and Mr. Robot. Do you um do you think it lived up to your expectations, Kevin, when when me and Tyler were talking about it, or you know, you're like these oh. guys are crazy. It's probably not that good. Oh no, no. Um, I I tried. Well, I got through about halfway through season two a few years ago, and then for some reason or another, I just fell off of it. And because I mean, that usually happens to me with with a lot of shows. Like it happened with Breaking Bad. Um, like right towards the very last part of the season, for some reason, it took me like a year and a half to watch the final like four episodes of it. But um, yeah, That's I uh, decided to. Oh, really? <laughs> the last season of Breaking Bad. I, like, refused oh, really? to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen it yet? No, I've seen, like, all of Breaking Bad except for, like, the last season. And I still haven't what? finished. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. It was Dude, just, I, I, like, I, I binged watched the entire thing. I was, like, so in love with it. And, like, I just couldn't, I couldn't finish it for some reason. <laughs> Actually, I'm like, I have like the same exact problem. Like that's happened to me with so many shows and like, even like games, books, like all these sorts of things. Like I get up to the very last stretch of it and then I'm, and then I just kind of like fall off of it for some reason. I was going to say, do you, you don't think that's like, like with Breaking Bad, actually, is it like, is it because the show's so good that like you don't want it to end or is it like or you just fall off the show? I think I just fell off. I think I got, like, really burnt out because I, like, I literally, like, binged the entire thing. Like, I finished it in, like, less than a month, minus, like, the last season. Gotcha. And I just don't I know feel, what happened. Especially shows like that, when you binge it, you have to, like, take... That was how, like, Sopranos, like, I went through Sopranos probably in, like, three or four months, which is, like, still pretty fast, I feel like, but I would get burnt out, too. But now that it's over, like, I was, like, fucking distraught for, like, a day. I was so sad. Oh, man. so connected to the characters. <laughs> I thought I was in the mob. <laughs> um, <You're> Italian. <laughs> <laughs> it was the gobble goo. <laughs> so, um... Actually, if, if you ever get back into Breaking Bad, um, and you finish up, like, where you left off, it's it's highly worth it, like... Oh my god, like, the, the last stretch of the show, like, I I love shows that, like, take you to, like, so many different uh, areas, like, outside of, like, the, the usual setting. Um, not just in terms of, like, uh, location, but in terms of, like, just storytelling as a whole. And Breaking Bad was, like, one of the first shows that, like, I saw that made me really appreciate that aspect of TV and, like, just stories in general. So, yeah, highly, highly recommend it if you ever get back to it. Yeah, I feel like I, I should. I should finish it. But now I feel like I don't even know what has happened because it's been, like, Dude. maybe a year since I've seen it. So I'm like, I have to restart the entire <laughs> damn thing, and I can't – I don't have the strength. <laughs> I, I feel it. I feel it. <laughs> Actually, there, uh, there's a YouTube channel called uh, – I think called Man of Recaps. If you look it up, they recap each season. I believe Breaking Bad's on there, so maybe that'll yeah, help. Like uh, a, little, a little highlight reel. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think they're like five to ten minutes long, so, you know, you'll be caught up in no time. <laughs> I have uh, two other thoughts. Um, going back to the question about Mr. Robot, um, I, I actually did what Ashley was just saying. Like, I, I went back to the very beginning of it all because I completely forgot about a lot of the stuff that happened and it was crazy. I, 
there was there's so much foreshadowing, like even in like the first like few episodes of what's to come, and they just lay it all out right in front of you. And I got past the midpoint of season two, and I realized that what caused me to lose a bit of interest in it was the whole um the whole plot line with um oh gosh, I forget his name. Um Tyrell? Uh not Tyrell. It's uh when he's with his living with his mom. Um Oh, oh going Joey to... Badass? Uh, I love... Well, hold, let me first say that Leon is my favorite character. Dude, he's actually <laughs> a really good actor. It's yeah. But, um, it's with the uh, the guy who has the the shady business. Um, um, Craig Robinson's character? I yeah, yeah. Um, I fell off at that point, but after getting back to it, I'm like, why did I ever like not like this part of the show? <laughs> And then season three was, oh my god, like, I'm I'm really digging, well, I really dug the, a lot of the experimental nature that they were doing with it, and um, I'm, I want to say I'm on episode four of the final season. Oh, wow. Oh my yeah. god, like, yeah. there's so many moments that I want to talk about, but I'm not going to spoil, but um, just seeing the overall, like, character growth and just feeling so much compassion and empathy for all of these characters who you just want to like like you can see why or where they fell off and like what they're you know what they're yearning for in terms of like redemption but man i'm like really dreading the the end of the show um because it's kind of like what tyler mentioned with um the shows that you finished up like with sopranos which leads me to my next thing that i wanted to ask you about was a so uh what do you think about the build-up to the ending Dude, I thought it was so good that just the shitty thing is, is I know, I knew, like, how the show, like, I've seen the last scene of the show, of the finale, like, years ago, because all my parents were all freaking out about the, you know, everybody was freaking out about the uh, the ending of the show when it first happened. So it was like, the buildup was crazy, but I feel like if I didn't know the what happens in the last scene, I feel like it would have been, like, tenfold of, like... The anxiety, but it was still cool to see it happen. Like I didn't realize, like, based, well, yeah. Actually, I don't want to talk about. It. I can't. I can't spoil it for people. But it was still really like nerve wracking. I guess I would say. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was just so intense, dude. Like there was like like, oh yeah, like you know, it's like the end of a mob, your typical mob movie ending, t- kind of. Just heavy. A lot of a lot of heavy shit. The last like three episodes. I'm so glad that you finished it. Like I like when we're not recording, I want to like ask you about so many things, dude. Um, like, <laughs> like the I'll just say like the car like the car crash scene in the oh. last season. You're like fuck, and the soundtrack alone, like it just builds it up. But um, yeah, uh, Richie, what have you been? What have you been up to? Uh, um, dang, I haven't. Been, uh, I I kind of stopped watch. Uh, so. I just want to start off. Uh, so, I mentioned to Tyler before we did this episode, like a while back, that I was watching Ted Lasso. Um, yeah, so I was watching Ted Lasso. I watched the first season um, because I have Apple TV for free for like a year. So, that's awesome. So, I'm like, I'm going to watch Ted Lasso because I heard so many good things about it. Um, so, yeah, I did watch the first season of Ted Lasso. I highly recommend it. It's really funny and heartwarming. Uh, yeah, um, it's wholesome and surprisingly raunchy at the same time. I don't know <laughs> how you guys are going to imagine that, but it actually is. 
Um, and I really love Jason Sudeikis in this show. I didn't really care too much about him one way or the other before in like his other film roles, but I thought he did an excellent job. Um, yeah, creating the show and embodying this like extremely optimistic character, which I didn't know that I needed in my life. You know, judging from like all the shows that we've mentioned to each other, uh, they're not the happiest of shows or movies. So, um, Ted Lasso is really great. Um, I watched the first season of the animated series Spawn. Uh, I really like this show a lot. It reminds me of like the classic animated 90s cartoons that I grew up with on Saturday mornings, like the Spider-Man TV show and X-Men. Um, yeah, I certainly put Spawn above those shows now just because uh, it does something so different with the like neo-noir aspect and like the really great like shadows and like, oh man, the um, obviously like the violence and like how stylized it is and yeah i've been watching that um well i stopped watching those shows because uh uh yeah i've been taking a break from movies for a while and uh i've been i don't know if you guys heard of this youtube channel called dead meat i've actually been watching that a lot more um it's a horror film channel that uh recounts uh the kills in horror movies so if you want to watch like your favorite horror franchises be um uh recounted uh definitely watch dead meat they're a really great channel it's probably my favorite channel um they do excellent commentary and behind the scenes like uh, information and they even dive into like the interviews and um yeah just all like the little tidbits that you probably wouldn't have thought about or looked into so they're recently recounting um friday the 13th and uh yeah i yeah, I have a guilty pleasure when it comes to those horror films like Friday the 13th and Halloween and, and such. So yeah, that's what I've been watching. Um, nice. Yeah, Ashley, uh, you said you've been watching movies and, and, and whatnot. Um, care to share what have you been watching? Yeah, sure. Um, I actually just rewatched School of Rock, which is one of my uh, personal favorites. Yes. <laughs> we love Jack Classic. Black. Yeah, um, I don't know just been watching like a bunch of like weird shit like uh i just like rewatched almost famous and i like absolutely like have been obsessed with like rock and roll like type movies for a little bit um is is that one of your favorite films of like all time you know what me and my sister have like this running joke where we say oh yeah this movie is like top 10 and there's like 50 movies in our top 10 um so i can't really like pick <laughs> to be honest but it's definitely in the top 10 <laughs> What um, what other ones like off the top of your head like come to mind? In terms My of top uh, ten, like top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Oh gosh. Okay. So obviously we need to talk about Kevin because that's one of the ones that I chose today, actually. And then, um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is really uh, good. I really love that one. Yes. <laughs> I hope that was like a good. <laughs> uh, it brings me so much pain. But anyways, go on. <laughs> oh, it does. <laughs> Um, Little Miss Sunshine's really good. Um, uh, The Goonies is, like, one of my, like, 
go like good like uh feel good movies that i absolutely adore um saint elmo's fire is really good um parasites in there now um i don't know there's like a bunch i i can't name them <laughs> i have like a whole i have my me and my sister have like this whole like uh notes app that we share where we just like put a bunch of our like favorite movies in there um yeah and then just like movies that we want to watch wow that's a pretty good list have all of you seen seen school of rock I have not seen School of Rock. Yeah. Oh, I you love, are missing out. Oh, yeah, dude, I am yeah, missing you got to check that out. That movie, that, like... Wait, what were you saying, Tyler? No, no, you're good. You go. I'll go after you. Oh, um, I was going to say, like, um, I, I think I first saw School of Rock back in, like, seventh grade. And, like, looking back, that was, like, one of the weirdest times of, like, my life in terms of, like, what I listened to. Because, like, prior to, to um, developing, like, my own tastes, I just listened to... Um, a lot of what, like, my parents would listen to, which is a lot of Motown and, like, 60s and, like, all that, like, soul music. And then um, also, like, hip-hop from, like, the early 2000s for some reason. Um, but, like, after <laughs> watching, pain. after watching like, School of Rock, it was, like, <laughs> the ray of, like, God, like, shined upon me. And I was like, oh, like, Led Zeppelin? What? And, like, ACDC? And, like, I remember, like, going up to my mom and be like, no. I don't want these clothes anymore. I want band shirts. <laughs> and I, I thought it was like so cool, but like, yeah, like that's the thing that like got me into like uh black Sabbath and uh Def Leppard, like all these like bands that were like mentioned in that movie. And yeah, like it, it, that makes me like so happy to hear that that movie's on your list, Ashley, because like that like hits home for me. I could like literally like if you watch the movie with me ever like I will literally recite it word for word <laughs> like it's bad it's so bad. My my favorite line from that movie is uh, I forget the kid's name but he's like you're tacky and I hate you. Fancy pants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, of course, like Eternal Sunshine, like that is easily in my top five. Like. That movie, like, changed everything for me in terms of, like, how I view movies. Like, I, I watched that recently, actually, like, a, a month and a half ago. And, of course, like, I cried, like, three times during it again. And that's, like, one of those movies that, like, each time I watch it, I see something new from it. And do do uh, any of you have movies like that where you rewatch them and then you're just constantly finding, like, new things about them? Oh, yeah. I was going to mention earlier, like, Tenacious D as well. Oh, yes. One, one of my, like, favorite Jack Black movies. Um, I feel like I get like that with comedies. Like, I feel like I've always rewatched comedies the most. Even, like, with Tenacious D, I'll notice. Because I've rewatched that, like, a thousand times. Or, like, uh, Old School, one of them, Anchorman. Those, like, stupid comedies. And, like, you always find a new line seen anchorman <laughs> you've never seen anchorman never seen anchorman i don't know like i i, I can't really i hate will ferrell 
that's why. Yeah, and then you know, we like, probably should watch it because it's just Will Ferrell being Will Ferrell. I know. No. Okay. Like I can, I can stand Will Ferrell if he's like a supporting person, but not like if he's like the main guy. Like <laughs> I just said, like three Will Ferrell movies, old school, <laughs> fucking. <laughs> yeah. You're like gritting your teeth over there, like <laughs> Jesus, like fucking Will Ferrell. What the fuck? No, he is like can meet like people like they, actors like, an acquired meetings. taste yeah <laughs> like, kevin hart like like anything kevin hart like i'm not really a big fan of i just think he's like kind of annoying sometimes oh, oh my god i just recently watched say, yeah. uh in a, a compilation of impressions of celebrities and brian cranston did an impression of kevin hart i just wanted to throw it out there and <laughs> it was so great <laughs> but yeah i could definitely see like there's a lot of people who don't really fuck with Will Ferrell, which totally makes sense. It's like you either love him or you or you're just like nah. It's funny you didn't mention Talladega Nights <laughs> or like the other guys. You know the other guys? I'm actually not like a huge fan of. Sometimes he even yeah. Sometimes Will Ferrell even gets on my nerves. But <laughs> <laughs> I I used to really like him in uh, SNL. But, yeah, like those are yeah. classics, like the cowbell and all that stupid shit. But also another shameful uh, regret I have is I've never seen Internal Sunshine for the Spotless Mind either. It's okay. It's yeah. okay. It'll it'll come to you when it needs to. There's like all these movies that are on my list, but then when I'm like picking the movie, like I will pick one, but then I can't ever think. Like I'll think of one, and I'm like, oh yeah, like three billboards. I'd been wanting to watch that forever, and that was really good. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but yeah, I, hi- I highly recommend watching that film. I recently saw a clip um, from Sam Rockwell. I think he plays like one of the officers in it. Oh, I haven't, is, I haven't seen it. Um, is it the clip where he like breaks the window and shit? Yeah, yeah. And that was the clip. And Dude, I'm like, okay, like, I got I to watch this. And <laughs> it was all one shot. I'm pretty sure that whole scene is one shot, which is dope. But uh, yeah, that's like a pivotal part of the movie. But it's not a spoiler at all. Oh, no. I, I actually had saw that scene too before. I'd watch the movie. No, I, I'm like really curious about like what leads up to that moment. Like that's how, like for me personally, I, I love, I mean, I don't mind seeing spoilers because like it doesn't ruin the journey to that moment for me or even afterwards. Yeah. Um, I know that that's probably like not a popular take on it, but um, I don't know, like just seeing that scene like really intrigues me. And even like getting up to that moment, I'm like, I still like find myself doubting like, Oh, how are they even going to like pull this off to bring it back to that moment? But no, like that movie looks really great. That's cool that you're able to watch it. Yeah. I was thinking maybe when it's my turn, I might just, I might just choose that. Cause that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty a good great, one. that would be a great recommendation to tell you. Cause uh, I've seen that movie like I think three times in theaters. <laughs> Cause I loved it so much. Um, what I was gonna ask. Oh, oh, Ashley, you said you moved to LA. Uh, what's your favorite part about living in LA so far? Sorry, I actually got COVID the first week that I was here. Oh my <laughs> so, god! So yeah, so um, I wasn't really able to like explore or do anything, and um, yeah, which kind of sucked. But um, I went to like Santa Monica for like the first time, like to the beach, um, oh, which was like really nice and really pretty. Um, but yeah, I've there's been some crazy shit that's happened. I've just been like working at like Starbucks right now, and yeah, there people are insane. Like some homeless man already has like broken our window. 
Oh, oh shit. How, how do you all of your uh, coworkers react to that? Oh, well, it's not the craziest thing. Oh my God. And I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> but um, no, it's been like really cool so far. Um, I haven't like really to like meet a bunch of people just because like of COVID and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's been cool. I really want to go to LACMA and like go to like a bunch of museums and stuff. And I haven't been able to go thrifting, but there's like a bunch of stuff on my list that I want to do. <laughs> so we'll get to it eventually. I bet thrifting out there is insane. I can even Excited. imagine. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we've lost all the all the good places in Sacramento. <laughs> yeah, and it's it, the good places just get ran through so quick. It's like you got to be there like every day. True to <laughs> okay. like thrifting has like really changed. Yeah. Now it's not thrifting anymore. We got we got to find another thing to do <laughs> to replace that. <laughs> um. So yeah. With that being said, let's transition into uh, a little game that I proposed to us. Let's see if this will work out okay. Um. So it's a roundtable game where uh, each person gets to answer. Uh. So it's it's called yes or no. In Korean, it's called Yeh Hogan Anyo. I don't know why I picked Korean, but that's what I did. Um, so uh, basically, I'm going to submit a topic or a headline or a story, and we're going to go around and get everyone's op- a quick opinion on what they think. So they're going to say Yeh, which means yes, or Anyo, which means no. So the first topic I wanted to bring up. Um, so recently, the Matrix 4 trailer just came out, Matrix Resurrections. And uh, there was a lot of speculation about what this film is going to be about. Um, and, you know, there's some returning um, actors surprising their roles. But one significant actor who is not returning is Lawrence Fishburne. And he is basically officially being replaced by uh, Yaja Abdul-Mateen, who is a really great up-and-coming actor who confirmed that he actually is playing a young Morpheus. So, um, Ashley, uh, Ye or Anyo, or Ye Hogan Anyo, um, what do you think? I'm gonna say, uh, no. <laughs> I love Morpheus, and I feel like, like, they brought Keanu Reeves back and all of them, so they should have, like, brought him back. But, like, also... I understand like getting new faces and new opportunities for other actors so you know what i changed my mind yes (laughs) 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 i'm with i'm with ashley's first answer i'm gonna go no nobody can replace lawrence fishburne unless lawrence fishburne maybe he didn't want to do it that's what i'm saying (laughs) Uh, actually uh they did ask lawrence fishburne why he didn't return they didn't ask him to return actually See, yeah. Yeah, that's weird. That's like iconic, you know, that's like there's certain people that do certain roles and you just can't have anybody else. Like that's actually a good topic for another day. I'm gonna say no on that as well. Um because I mean to me it seems like especially like if they didn't ask him, like why wouldn't they do that? But um anyways, like I I could see um if it's to help the story, like if the purpose is to have 
a completely different face to, I mean, cause I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about the trailer in a bit, but, um, with what they're doing with the story, if that's just an extension of it, like altering it, then I'm for it. But if it's just purely because they just didn't want him or didn't even like think about it, then I'm going to say no. Um, man, these are all really good answers. Uh, yeah. I, originally, I was saying no, but um, actually, you bring up a good point too. Giving actors more opportunities, um, I'm really torn. Yay, I guess, kind of. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of factors, and especially like knowing that um, Lawrence Fishburne did come out and say that you'd have to ask. Uh, I believe it's uh, Lana Wachowski who's directing. Um, yeah, so she's directing without her. Um, sister as well so yeah that's another person who's not returning and they're not bringing back um, Hugo Weaving either uh, so a lot of mixed yeah I'm really mixed actually I think I'm going to say no <laughs> um, yeah uh, so let's uh, move on to our next topic I only have a couple of these so um, so recently George Miller, who is famous for directing the uh, Mad Max franchise, uh, he casts um, Anya Taylor-Joy to play uh, Furiosa in a prequel to the Mad Max, uh, the previous Mad Max film. And I, uh, according to an interview, I believe from Empire, uh, he casted her because he saw an early cut of Last Night in Soho. So, Ashley, what do you think about this casting due to George Miller seeing the film. Yay or Anya? I'm absolutely obsessed with her. She did like a fantastic job in uh, Queen's Gambit and I'm so excited to see Last Night in Soho so I feel like she'd be really cool in Bad Max or like the prequel. So I'm gonna say yay. Uh, I'm gonna go, I don't know, like I'm gonna go yay I guess too because I like Anya Taylor-Joy. But I'm like, what? who didn't... uh. Was it Charlize Theron that played her originally yeah. in the the last one? Yes. I feel like I'm like, couldn't Charlize Theron just play a younger yeah, version of her stuff? It. But maybe I know she's got like hell of shit going on. Like she's like like one of the biggest actors. So maybe like she couldn't do it or something. But I don't know. I feel like they probably could have chose either because Anya Taylor Joy is I feel like the like most popular female actor out right now probably or one of at least yeah i feel like it could go both ways um i mean i i'd imagine that since they're casting her it's probably going to be like quite a few years before um the the fury road movie so i mean it makes sense to cast her as it um but otherwise like if, if it was just like a like only like a few years before then I would preferably want to see Charlize Theron in it, just because like she did such a good job in Fury Road. Yeah, same. I feel the same. But so would that would that be yay or Anya? Uh, I guess I'm for it. Yeah, depending on the context. <laughs> depending on the context. Well, um, the context is that uh, I believe Charlize Theron did not get along with Tom Hardy on their filming of Fury Road. And there's a lot of behind the scenes troubles with that film. And, you know, a lawsuit, 
with uh, I believe it's legendary pictures between George Miller, uh, and which I think I believe they settled, and I think yeah, so that's why they're moving on with this project. Um, and and I'm basically I'm gonna say yay, uh, even though I loved Charlie's Throne, um, I I believe that if yeah if they're gonna make a young version of her, I guess it does make sense, and I love Anya Taylor Joy. You know, she's at least like what twenty years younger than Shirley's Throne, so it makes sense to do like a young, young, um, like a prequel, and maybe they're doing like a franchise, you know, or, or a spinoff franchise. So, yeah, I think this could propel Anya Taylor Joy to be a superstar in Hollywood, and I, t- I think this would be a good vehicle for her—no pun intended—for uh, her to, to land. Um. Okay. So one more topic. Okay. <laughs> Um, so recently Andrew Garfield has been denying, uh, reports that he is going to be in the Spider-Man No Way Home film. And he recently said that, uh, he will not confirm or deny that he's in it. And he feel like, you know, people could be disappointed, uh, whether they knew or not, or if he's going to be in it, he didn't want to let people down. So, um, yeah, it, it's been heavily speculated for a, for a long time now that he's going to be in it as well as Tobey Maguire. So, Ashley, uh, yay, Oganano, uh for Andrew Garfield being in No Way Home. Honest, I really hope him and Tobey Maguire both in it because that would just be absolutely amazing. Um, I just really need them to recreate that meme because that would just, <laughs> I feel like, be like the best thing ever. <laughs> um, but um, I actually did like a whole like Marvel marathon with my family over like the summer when everyone was like quarantining for like COVID and stuff. So that was like something that we were like all really into. So I would be absolutely thrilled to see all of the Spider-Men in there. Spider-Men? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um that would be awesome i would like absolutely love that especially like having like all three kind of like generations of spider-man in there would be really cool um and then say also people think andrew garfield is probably like the worst spider-man so maybe that's why he thinks people will be disappointed if they're if he's in it or if he's not in it so i just in my personal opinion i hope he's in it um uh, I go yay all the way. I got a hot take right now. Andrew Garfield is the best Spider-Man. Faux show. I don't know. <laughs> I think I think because he's like skater Spider-Man. That's why I like him. I'm like he. I'm like yeah. Because Tobey Maguire, I think is probably the second best. But he's like a little. He's probably the most like Peter Parker, right? And then Tom Holland is just like too hunky for me to be Spider-Man. Too hunky, but he's like a kid. <laughs> I feel like Andrew Garfield is like the cool Spider-Man. He's he's the hunky Spider-Man, you know. And then Tom Holland is like the best fit because he's like the nerdiest. I, one, I, I guess think. Tom Holland is probably the best, like, yeah, like mixture of the two <laughs> of being like nerdy but still hunky. And then like Tobey Maguire is just way too nerdy. And then I guess Andrew Garfield is. Just, I don't know even call him hunky though. He's not like buff. But I guess I don't know. Yeah. Regardless, I think it would be dope to have all of them. Like, give me a live action uh, into the Spider Verse type type yes, of movie, yes. and that'd be sick. 
Yeah, I'm for it. That's, actually, that's my only take. <laughs> actually, <laughs> think uh, <laughs> Into the Spider Verse is like the best superhero movie to come out in like the last however long five years. I agree. Say, for sure. I'm gonna have to sit on that one, but yes, I agree. It's really great. um yeah so that does it for the game hope you guys enjoyed it um yeah i think on an unrelated note kevin i think you i don't know if you heard about like the director denis villeneuve's take on marvel movies um yeah i think i think maybe what he said about them might resonate because i know you're not like the hugest fan of the superhero films at least of this of this like modern era so uh, yeah, had... No, I think I just sort of fell off of them because um, I I used to go to the theaters and watch them like as they came out. But I think it was like around like when Iron Man like first started coming out. That's when I like started to steer away from watching them. And I think it's just because I got burnt out on them. Like it's because it, I um, in high school, like I went through like a bunch of like movie phases. Like I was into like science fiction, like spaghetti westerns, and then like horror movies and. And then it was, like, superhero movies. And then, like, I just kind of, like, fell off from that entire wagon and haven't, like, come back on it. But um, what did uh, he say about it? Oh, um, he said... Here, I have the quote, actually. Um, he said, There are too many Marvel movies that are nothing more than a cut and paste of others. That is, like, a quote from him. Hmm. I mean, I, I haven't seen a lot of um, any of those movies, so I'm not sure like it, if that's true or not, but... Yeah. I think it's true. I also think it's true. I was going to say that, yeah, it seems pretty accurate. There's <laughs> just like a certain blueprint that they have to follow. There's like one big battle, and that's it. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> some gems in there, though, like Thor Ragnarok, I think is like amazing. I love that movie. But yeah, I'm with you too, Kevin, where I think it's like, I just got burnt out too. Other than like certain superheroes, like Batman, like I'll watch like any Batman movie and be super hyped for that. Yeah, I but think yeah, that, like that, that was Iron the last Man, trilogy I got into. Like Iron Man, I'm just, I was never huge into like superheroes or comics growing up either. So like I would always watch the movies like Spider-Man, all that shit when it would come out in theaters. But mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really only into like the main superhero spider-man batman joker whatever same like i as a kid i was really into spider-man um i loved the toby Maguire movies i loved the video games that came out on playstation and even like the comics and stuff and um the most recent superhero that i got into a few years ago was a uh, batman just reading a bunch of the graphic novels like um the latest uh new 52 um and then also a bunch of like standalone graphic novels of like a uh, killing joke uh dark knight returns um just a few of those other ones i think i saw the killing joke didn't they make a movie yeah i heard that those, i heard that those animated movies are actually really good i'm pretty sure i watched that i watched some some Batman movie animated that was really good. And it was like super different. Like it was super raunchy. Like Robin was like 
like having sex with with fucking uh uh Mark, uh god damn it what's the superhero uh, Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. But it was wow. funny. <laughs> I was like, whoa, I thought this was like for kids. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um but um Denis Villeneuve's uh, name was mentioned and um I'm I'm really excited for Dune that's coming out. Um I saw Lynch's version I want to say like a, a little under a year ago and I can see why it's hated on um I I enjoyed watching it just cuz of the the art direction and the soundtrack and sound design um and I just started reading it and I'm about a quarter of the way through but um I'm hoping to finish it by the time the movie comes out cuz I'm really excited to see what they do with it cuz um I don't know there's so much like hype for it even like before he even signed on to it uh with like Hodorowski working on it and that was supposed to be like the ultimate rendition of Dune that never happened so I'm I'm really excited to see what he does with it yes uh yeah, I am very interested in this project. Um, it's kind of unfortunate because uh, Denis Villeneuve intended uh, this to be a two-part film, or he wanted to shoot it uh, uh, part one and part two back-to-back, but um, Warner Brothers declined to do that. So, you know, hopefully we come out and see this and support this film, because if you want to see another Denis Villeneuve Dune, that's what needs to happen. So, yeah. Um, so, uh, for this episode, Ashley, you picked the film that we are going to review, which is We Need to Talk About Kevin. Um, yeah, so, uh, do you want to tell us why you (laughs) wanted to talk about Kevin? (laughs) Um, I absolutely love this film. I kind of, kind of struck from telling people this is like my favorite film because it is like really like cynical in a way and really dark um but yeah I'm just like completely obsessed with it and just like the way that the film is told like the fragmented uh narrative is like really interesting to me and just like the way that the story is told um but yeah I'm completely obsessed with this film and I really hope you guys liked it yeah I thought it was oh my fault my fault. I don't go go uh, Tyler. Um, I thought it was like it was one of the my favorite movies I've watched in a long time for sure. Like immediately, I was like so uncomfortable, <laughs> and I even though that's like uncomfortable, it's like that's a I don't know. I feel like it's really hard to to do as like a filmmaker making a movie to like make your viewer feel like that. And yeah, just like the whole style of the film, like the editing, the shots, like the color, everything was, um, I don't know, it was just super stylish too, which I really enjoyed about it. And just Uh, super heavy. Like it, it, it's, the title itself is like really cool because it's like, it's also topics that you, that we need to talk about. Mm -hmm. Because they don't even like, they don't even talk about kevin like the film title is like we need to talk about kevin but no one actually ever (laughs) talks about kevin or like is like oh kevin needs some like help (laughs) yeah i also feel like with this movie uh 
this is a great birth control movie. <laughs> like I don't, <laughs> I don't want kids. I don't want kids after watching this movie. <laughs> that reaffirms that feeling. It's a really great uh, contraceptive. For, uh, or more so, it just yeah. It's like it, if anything, it just makes you scared. It makes you like think about it again. You're like, do I want kids? Like, what if I birth a psychopath? Uh, my own take on this movie, um, this has been on my radar for a really long time, and I've seen stills from it, and have heard a little bit about it, and I've always shied away from it, purely because I knew it was going to be really uncomfortable, and that, like, I needed to, like, build myself up to it. So I'm really glad that you suggested this movie, Ashley, because it w it blew away my expectations. It like not only lived up to it, but it just it just surpassed it in so many different ways. And like what Tyler was saying from the very beginning, it, I was immediately hooked to it. Um, it this is this is one thing I've noticed about Lynn Ramsey. Um, I've seen a few of her other movies. Uh, I saw uh, You Were Never Really Here, and then also Ratcatcher, which I really hope we get to do an episode on in the future. Um, I think that that was like one of her first standout feature movies. Um, but I, I, I really love the way that she's able to delve into the mind of all of these unique characters and just create like unique studies of them. And... Um, I didn't realize that this was an adaptation of a book and I'm really wanting to actually read the book itself because I've um, heard different takes on um, the subjective nature of the movie versus the, the novel and everything from the, like I, it's hard for me to pick out things that I actually enjoyed about it because like everything just fused so naturally to where I was literally just focused on the story the entire time. And I find that whenever that happens for me, that is, that ends up being like one of my new favorite movies purely because like, I'm not fixated on those details. Cause like fixating on that stuff has been like a, a blessing and a curse for me. Like ever since like I got into like video production, cause it's like, once you see behind the veil, that's you, you get to see all the inner workings of it. And for me, like, it, it kind of ruined that in a way for a while. Um, but this is one of those movies that really reminded me of my love for cinema. Yeah, it's, like, absolutely um, crazy. Like, each time, like, you, like, rewatch this movie, you'll, like, find, like, new stuff or, like, new, like, clues or, like, anything that, like, just, like, foreshadows, like... It's happening and like you just like rediscover like so much <laughs> yeah like like what you were saying earlier ashley uh, i like the the fragmented like a uh, narrative in the way that the story was told and um yeah i mean tilda swinton i mean this is basically a character study on how she's dealing with this extremely traumatic and violent uh, situation. Um, yeah, uh, and I want to re read briefly the synopsis for our viewers who have never seen this film. It is uh, 
is about how oh so after her son Kevin commits a horrific act troubled mother Ava reflects on her complicated relationship with her disturbed son as he grew from a toddler into a teenager so um yeah I like how even the narrative itself is um very fractured and complicated sometimes uh I like that it is not too hard to follow as soon as you start to recognize um you know the time period and and where she's at and um I like how smartly put together it was and yeah obviously like Tilda Swinton is terrific I mean she pretty much owns this movie and um yeah and I like the the supporting actors um John C Reilly was was pretty solid I I I like him in dramatic roles uh, when he's not doing comedy. And um, yeah, Ezra Miller was really great as, you know, the disturbed child. So. Disturbed <laughs> um, Yeah, wow. Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to say that I like this movie. It's more like, it's a movie that's really um, wonderful to look at in terms of like its cinematography and, and the way it's shot and how... Uh, it emphasizes uh, certain parts of like the human body you know you'll, you'll look at like a person's lips or their hands or what they're doing or, or how they're eating something um, it's, it really delves into like the mental and psychological aspect of like a human being and um, yeah I mean the only, only other thing that I've seen from Lynn Ramsey is her short film um, Small Deaths which you can actually watch on YouTube. So, um, yeah, I really... Wow, yeah, this is... This movie uh, blew my mind. <laughs> Honestly, so crazy to see, like, the parallel between um, mom and, like, the son and how, like, they're so, like, similar to each other, which is crazy. Um, especially, like, what you were saying, like, like the way that they, like, eat. Like, there's, like... Um, this scene where she's like eating eggs and she's like picking the shells out. And then there's like this other scene where um, Kevin is like biting his fingernails and just like placing them like on the table. It's like a lot, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's like really crazy. That's such a unique parallel. Wow. Yeah. I, that's coming to mind. Um, I just finished the movie, like I want to say an hour and a half ago and I'm still trying to piece it all together in my mind. Um, but no, that's like a really good point you bring up. Yeah, yeah even yeah. even the way that I they agree. put their faces in the water, like it's so. So um, it's Ashley, like getting seen. <laughs> Ashley, I have, a, I have a question for you. So um, I mean, this whole movie is about like nature versus nurture, obviously. Um, uh, do you think like how do you think their the dynamic between Ava and uh Kevin? Like, how do you, do you think that there was a, a, a push or pull, like, with the two? Um, which one do you think had more control over the other? And which one was nurturing, was nurturing the other, if that makes sense? This is, like, such a difficult question. Because, like, every time I watch this movie, I'm like, is, is it her fault? Because, like, you can clearly see at, like, in the beginning stages of Kevin's life, she's very, like, resentful towards him. Like, she almost, like, sees him as, like, this... Like, the reason why she's, like, not living her life. Like, there's, like, a specific line in the movie where she's, like, Mommy, 
in Paris right now and he's just like a kid and like obviously you like think about those things and like how that has like an effect on stuff um and then I don't know there's just like so much like push and pull and like so much resentfulness it's a lot like what do you guys think (laughs) I think it's um more on the nature side for sure like I think Kevin is just a bad seed and sure Ava like parenting wasn't like ideal I guess but like it wasn't like she was a bad mom I would say I mean she still like you know would provide for him change his diaper and shit like so I don't know like I feel like she's still like there's been much worse parents to kids who have turned out way better where it's like I think she still tried clearly though she like she definitely had a resentment towards him I would think and but I mean by like the time the what he was like I mean if we probably we're not in spoilers yet but like he was like manipulating her as like a fucking five year old <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> um but yeah I don't know yeah that's like I feel like that that's I go back to the title again of like talking like need to talk about kevin like these people who do these things in real life is like why does it happen like and i don't know i just like this movie it's a cool perspective from the parent of someone who commits an act like that it's like totally fucked up because like a lot of the time um... do like are like oh like they blame the mom for like not raising their child the child correctly and that puts like a lot of pressure on her because you can totally like see that like with the way that people treat her after the fact that what kevin's done yeah when the dad is just as responsible too because you know we're in her perspective and like no one no one's gonna blame him because well kevin has a more favorable attitude towards him but also like yeah, there's not as much pressure on the father. Yeah. I, um, oh, sorry. Wait, what you what are you saying, you Tyler? You're good. I was just going to say, like, I feel like if anything, it's more it's, it's more so the dad's fault. Like, like they didn't talk. Like, it, like I don't know. I don't want to, like, spoil the movie. But, yeah, like, they just didn't talk. Like, I feel like if you have a child with somebody, like, you got to talk about that shit. Like... There's so many telltale signs of like, okay, I feel like this isn't a spoiler, but like when he lo- like, she breaks his arm, like when he uh, poops his diaper or whatever, and then he lies to the dad like right in front of her, and she just like lets him do it, and then they she never talks to him about to John C. Riley about it. Which I feel like I, I I okay I guess I don't know never mind just you go Kevin sorry I only get that because like um, he's like oh sorry I know no go for it I was like really like clueless throughout like the entire movie and he was just like he was a very like uh positive person I guess he was just like very like look on the brighter side of things like you have like a healthy like he's not doing anything wrong like he's fine and he's just very like go with the flow type of like personality yeah he's like if they're playing like good cop bad cop which I guess like 
kind of all parents do too. I don't know. Like one, there's usually one like disciplinarian, and then, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it's something uh, you would talk about like with your spouse if your kid was really that weird or different, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's like a poignant reason why they named the film we need to talk about Kevin because it's essentially pointing out the fact we need to talk about the elephant in the room which is like your own child like clearly dislikes you <laughs> basically um yeah i mean i was as i was watching the film that's all i could think about I was like yeah he's basically this giant elephant in the room and something's bound to give you know and um yeah I, in, a, in, a, in an interview tilda swinton mentions how like this film is not just about like giving birth to an alien or, or to violence but like uh giving birth to your own violence is like the horror of this film and um yeah and she mentions how like uh in kevin's perspective uh, his own parents are just playing roles they're just acting they're not being real human beings to him and um in verbatim, she says, you know, that feeling for Kevin that they're off faking it. He wants to connect with them. He wants their attention. He wants to actually communicate with them. And he's super bright. And that can be a really, really lonely place to be when people are kind of faking it with you. So what do you think about that quote from Tilda Swinton and how she explains the film? Um, or Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, you got it, Ashley. <laughs> oh, someone else go. <laughs> can, uh, can you repeat the question? Sorry. I was wondering, uh, what what are your thoughts on how Tilda Swinton uh, expressed like uh, her feelings about the movie? Because um, in your own violence. Yeah, and how she says that the essentially his parents are. Are playing roles and are faking it with him and and how yeah how that can be like a really lonely place to be in i don't know like i, I don't know maybe that's just like a weird quote to me i don't really get it like because i mean what do you mean fake what does she mean by faking it like i mean obviously if you're talking to like a four-year-old you're gonna like i don't know talk to them like kind of fake i guess i don't know to where I feel like, you know, she tried. Like, I feel like she definitely put forth enough effort in the film as a parent. Well, I, I guess the way she explains it in the interview, she says that when it comes to parenting, like, we, uh, some parents kind of, like, come at it in a formulaic way where, like, they'll just smile if, like, the child is uh, crying. But, like, is that really a way to get them to stop crying? Is it just smile because you read that somewhere or, like, you've seen somebody else do it, you know? Or, um, uh, yeah, she was way more articulate in the interview, but, um, she's just expressing, like, how, or even the dad, like, when he comes home, he says, you know, he treats his son like a friend or something, like, hey, buddy, how's your day going? Like, like, she says that it comes off more, like, they're just saying things from, like, a, a cue card or something, is how she expresses that. 
and instead of being like authentic with him, you know, or being upfront with him or yeah, just being like genuine. Yeah, cuz we've been expressing how like in this movie they don't talk about him. <laughs> you know, so they don't communicate in a way that's effective or they don't they don't communicate they don't uh, communicate with each other. And communication is a very hard and difficult skill to to master in life. Um I'm sure we kind of understand that because we've studied film and film is a part of communication and um yeah, I don't think most people don't realize how hard it actually is um, yeah, to learn about communication and, and what are some great methods to go about you know, being honest with somebody. I mean, my own thoughts on the communication aspect is that everyone speaks in half-truths most of the time um, when it comes to revealing things about themselves. Uh, we never really say what we actually want to say unless like you have built up upon those skills and like I I've, I can kind of see where Kevin is coming from and if that has any sort of a veracity to it where that's the reason why he was so hostile towards his mother um, is because of the blatant acts that were being put on but even then like you can't really hold it against her because it's like we have no idea what her upbringing was like, which I think is like another feat of the movie. Like that's a very, I like how, sh how rigid that was. But, um, anyway, uh, like I, I personally find myself like being so bored and disinterested in so many conversations that I have with people just because like, I find it very difficult to connect with people, um, about topical subjects and, uh, it prevents me from actually talking with people and like getting to know them and like getting them to know me. So, I mean, that, that was like a huge thing for me, like growing up is being unable to connect with people. Um, because I primarily talk through emotion and when I share something, I like to hear other people share things about themselves. And it's kind of like a give and take, um, like a mutual exchange Cause it's like, I'm a person, you're a person, let's be people together. Like, let's not put on this act. But most of the time when I'm talking with people, like there's always this veil of, um, persona that gets, that's always present. I mean, even like right now, like we all have our personas that we're putting on this podcast, um, which isn't truly ourselves. Like when we're alone and by ourselves and connecting with people who we, um, who have known us for some time or that we aren't afraid to share uh, some of our personal truths with. So I can certainly see why uh, him being of a bright nature of being able, you know, like, there's that one scene where um, she's asking him like, okay, Kevin, what's, what comes after nine? And then he like keeps like messing with her and counts all the way up to 50. Like I can see him getting to that point. If he is that intelligent and bright at that age, um, of just being so bored with it. And there's a part in the spoilers that will, that I'll try and loop this around to. Um, but yeah, that's a very interesting quote that she said, cause I hadn't even considered it from that perspective. Um, mine was my take on it was, um, like I, I thought about the nature versus nurture aspects of the movie, but I find that kind of falling into the background a bit because 
I found that like everyone was sort of conditioning Ava. If that makes sense, like um, all of the people around her were sort of conditioning her and putting her into the corner of what they wanted her to be, whether it was like coworkers, family members, uh, community members. Uh, and she had, I, I feel like because of that, she developed like such a strong xenophobic nature, which I, I can certainly connect with as well. Cause I went through a period of like xenophobia in like high school, just cause of like some traumatic incidents, but, um, or, you know, you just have like this strange haunting fear of like other people to where you don't even like want to like interact with them. Um, so it was like really interesting to see the effects that all of this stuff had on her to where she just fully regresses away further and further away from like the very first scene of like her being at peace in a very strange way, um, which I'm sure we'll talk more about in a bit. But yeah, I, I really like that angle that Tilda Swinton said of being, of being able to uh, birth evil out of yourself and also seeing like you take on those qualities too so yeah um before we get to our ratings and into spoilers i i do want to ask um while you all were watching this film did you did any like did any course of action in your mind like take place in terms of like discipline like how would you have gone about you know, if you ever had a child, disciplining them, or like, what would you do in that situation? Um, do you have anything in mind about in terms of like how you would have disciplined your own child if they were uh, acting this way? I think it's super tough because it's like I don't know. It's like I, none of us have kids, so. We don't know, yeah. but, like, I feel like once you have a kid, it's, like, way different. You know, like, even, like, with my dog, bro, like, <laughs> like trying to, like, discipline my dog. Like, sometimes, like, I'll, like, snap at him and, like, give him, like, a little, like, smack on the, like, on his butt. And then I'll feel bad because he'll, like, <laughs> he'll get all, like, butt hurt for a second. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, to where it's, like, obviously, yeah, you're not going to, like, beat, beat your kid up or whatever. But it's, like, also, I think I would discipline... If I was Kevin's parent, I feel like I would discipline him more than they did in the film. Like, I don't know, especially... I, we're not spoilers, goddammit. I keep... I keep... I already kind of... But, like, yeah, I don't know. I definitely would have tried a little bit harder at, like, kind of, I guess... I don't know, tough love discipline? But I think mm -hmm. it also just depends on, I guess, how everyone... How you're raised as a kid, too, you know? So... I definitely would have done more, like... though, than they did. Sorry. Um, I feel like you don't really know, like, what situation you're going to be. Like, I feel like if she knew, like, he was going to, like, become a mass. Is that a spoiler? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, okay. Like, well... like, <laughs> if, like, they knew, if she or, knew, we like... just go into spoilers now. <laughs> If she knew what he was, like, capable of or, like, what he was going to do, I feel like maybe she would have, like, more. But, like, you just, I, I don't think you, like, ever really know 
what people are capable of and she did her best and she was like a first time mom so i don't know it's like that's your kid it's like obviously you're not gonna like see the worst in your kid like that's why i keep saying it's like it's definitely i feel like it's definitely not her fault either like she did well as much as she could i i feel like our we don't uh we're not like taught you know uh growing up how to do parenting there isn't like a class on it or there isn't like at least in high school you know or growing up like um, no one tells you how you should act around kids or around your own kid and you know there are people that have kids super early you know in their age you know there are people that have kids when they're teenagers and they just kind of go about it on the fly um you know, yeah, like, like it's all yeah. on your upbringing. I'm sure, like I would, I would think that's probably like your main, I don't know, bar for how to parent <laughs> is how you were parented, you know. So, yeah, I mean, because for me, like, my parents had me when they were really young, and I guess watching this movie made, I don't know, I feel so outside of that world because I was brought up differently. I wasn't even raised by my own parents, and uh, the kind of stuff that Kevin gets away with in this film, oh man! <laughs> if you go, if you go to my family, there would be like, you know, you yeah. Know, most I, families, I mean, you're like gonna get fucking <laughs> gonna get your ass beat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, or yeah, and or <laughs> yeah, big trouble. Beat, yeah. Big, big trouble. Just kidding. Would say. <laughs> no, like but that. um, uh. I guess, yeah, I mean, like we were mentioning, it depends on how you're parented, right? Or or maybe how you're parented, you don't want to bring it down to your uh, own family. And, um, yeah, and I just, we're bringing this up because I, I guess I just never had that conversation with anybody. But with the way I grew up, like, if I got in trouble, I would get disciplined. And, you know, one of the disciplines were that I would kneel in front of the wall and with my arms crossed, and I would just stare at the wall and think about whatever I did or you know that's one of the dis- uh one of the disciplines I had to go through or you know I would get spanked really hard whether it's a, a back scratcher or a fly swatter or a bamboo stick <laughs> I would get spanked with that really hard like not not a love tap either <laughs> um it, yeah it was really tough some people can see that as abuse it's probably a borderline abuse and you know, negligent, but um, yeah, it's weird. I wouldn't say that that's what needed to happen to Kevin, but um, I feel like nothing was really done in terms of discipline, in terms of teaching Kevin any kind of lessons. Uh, you know, and for me, the lessons I learned was don't get in trouble, or else I'm gonna get my ass beat. <laughs> um, yeah, or like things like that. Uh. There is a definitely a delicate balance when it comes to this um, topic of, you know, raising a, a child. I think my uh, my take on the question is, I think it's important to be aware of, like, if you ever do have a child, like if anyone ever does, I, I feel like, if, or if I ever did, I probably the thing that I would try to remember the most is being aware of the own trauma that you have. 
um, because I, I believe that trauma is multi-generational in some ways where um, your grandparents, like whatever happened to them in their childhood, because, you know, like no nobody's is perfect. Um, they end up passing on a lot of the toxic traits that their parents had um, onto their children and then their children onto their children and so on and so forth. And it's always reshaping and whatnot. And I feel like if I were ever a parent, I would try my best to be vigilant about that and to try to not let it get the better of me during more trying times. Um, I don't know if I ever will have kids, um, but if I ever do, I would try to take on more of a mentor mentorship role with them and treat them like a, an individual rather than... Um, constantly holding them in that uh, childlike state because that I don't I don't know if that's like a very good way to uh, grow up is to have parents that constantly treat you like a child um, because I feel like it takes away a bit of your agency and I don't know that's a very difficult question um I, I just hope I would try, I would do my best. I, I feel like that's all any parent can ever wish for, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, back to like the nature versus nurture thing too. I think just like in Kevin's situation in the film, um, I think regardless if he was... However, he was parented, like, whether he was disciplined harder or or given, like, positive reinforcement more or whatever tactics to be that would that would have been taken, I think you would have had the same result of, like, a psychopath, essentially. In my opinion. Yeah, that stuff. I, I want to say that um, those traits can definitely be found in people's DNA. Like, there's more uh, proc proclivity towards that, towards those intentions and whatnot. So, yeah, I feel like um, in that question, it's a it's a bit of both. Like, And that's what I heard about the, the book versus the movie, is that the, the book itself tends to have an ambivalent nature towards that, towards that question, whereas the movie tends to side with Ava a bit more. What are, what are all your thoughts on that? I mean, if you've read the book or whatnot, just on that question alone. I've read the book, but I'm, like, really interested to read the book, especially because, like, I don't know, you said the film, like, sides with Ava more, so I'd like to see what it's like to not have, like, a side, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was pretty more of a, a stylistic choice on Lynn Ramsey's part. Uh, yeah, because she probably read the book and saw that maybe she can um, focus more on um, Ava's perspective because, uh, yeah, she found that to be probably much more interesting. Uh, and I, I'm not sure. Um, I... I mean, yeah, I mean, a the book is, I'm sure, is very different. You get much more details, but it taking a more, much more ambivalent side. Um, I don't know. 
I think because I already saw the movie, and parts of the movie is pretty uh, ambiguous um, with the fractured narrative and you having to piece together the clues as to what is going on. Um, I mean, even after finishing the movie, like you don't really get. Yeah, you don't really get what you want or the answers that you want or the answers you're seeking as to why things are the way they are. Um, yeah. Should we give our ratings? Yeah. It's, uh, so yeah, with that being said, let's just jump right into it. Um, Ashley, what would you rate? We need to talk about Kevin. Five. <laughs> <laughs> Out of five, a uh, four point. Eight out of five. Yeah, I'm with Ashley. At least 4.75. I damn near was going to give it a five, but I feel like I can't give it a five. I didn't even pick the movie. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I actually, like, for me, I'd give it a five out of five. Like, this was definitely, uh, I feel like this is a good movie to watch cold, too. Like, show people to like if you can show it to somebody without telling them what it's about <laughs> just kind of fucked up but <laughs> yeah like I think it just brings up good combo like you could just talk about so many different you go so many different ways of conversations talking about this movie and just the uneasy feeling is it's really unique to feel like that when watching a movie and I just love like the thriller psychological genre and just the style like we'll probably talk about it more but like all the red in the movie and even the music I thought was good too in the score so yeah I just all around I love this movie was awesome I'm gonna give it a 4.75 out of 5 I feel like as was the case with um like Jackie the last episode we did um I feel like this movie is, like, the more times I see it, the more appreciative I'm going to get towards it. Um, it's like those good albums that you come across, like, they're they're kind of weird at first, but then you come back to them, and then they just end up being locked in. It's like one of your favorites. So, um, one of the things that really drew me into this was the kaleidoscopic nature of everything in it. How it just ebbs and flows into different timelines and different uh, mood spaces and atmospheres and all the sounds and just the unique combinations of everything. It has such a unique, it, it was such a unique viewing experience. And I find that those movies tend to leave the strongest impact on me um, because it's almost like creating like a new memory um, of something that you've never done before. And, um, I really enjoyed a lot of the topics that they brought up in this movie and um, surrounding, uh, you know, parenthood and also uh, the relationship of like a parasitic child with a parent and also um, uh, how communities can rally against and like ostracize individuals purely for the fact that they're related to someone. It reminded me a lot of... Um, of uh was it the hunted oh no uh what was that one with uh mads mickelson that we watched the hunt yeah the hunt yeah the hunt it reminded me a lot of the hunt and um 
I don't know, I really enjoyed the world building of it too, and seeing how Ava's character changes from this very uh, outgoing um, person who's just so in love with life and like wanting to travel around everywhere to where she becomes so hold into her seclude or into her like tiny home like compared to what she had and like how she was basically transformed by not only Kevin but her entire family and the community members around her um so yeah I feel like in time my score will go up to a five easily um it's funny you bring up this movie Ashley because uh this has been on my radar as well, but um, I just recently heard about it again a, a couple weeks ago because in this film forum that I'm in, uh, somebody asked a question, what are some movies about mass shootings? And some people were pretty like upset about the question, but some people actually gave some recommendations. And um, yeah, a couple of the films that are on there that I... Puts, uh, put We Need to Talk Kevin with is uh, Elephant and Polytechnique. And um, because those all these all of these films surround a very violent and traumatic event. And they all have their own unique narrative structure uh, uh, when they approach uh, filming this. And um, yeah, I'm going to give this film a 4 out of 5. I really dug the most the way that like it's shot and just how it, yeah it just looks so beautiful there i i don't know even some shots that aren't supposed to be i guess enticing to look at you just kind of like you know when someone's peeling their their nails and setting it on the table just like i just like the look of a table and the coloring and the way they frame that. Or when someone's standing next to a wall and they're in grief. And you're just looking at the wall and like you're admiring the colors. Um, yeah, that and Tilda Swinton just really brings it home for me. Uh, I think she's a phenomenal actor. And she essentially carries this movie on her shoulders. Um, I surprisingly didn't see a lot of Ezra Miller. Um... I thought he would be in it more, but the times that he is in it, like, man, yeah, he's kind of a scene stealer. <laughs> and yeah, and that's my rating. Um, that being said, uh, yeah, let's just jump into spoilers and just talk about, uh, yeah, that crazy event. Every day it's a getting closer, going faster than a roller coaster. Love like yours will surely come my way. Hey, hey, hey. Every day it's a getting faster. Everyone said go ahead and ask her. Love like yours will surely come my way. How soon did you guys all know that, or did you, like, assume that he was, like, a mass shooter, essentially? From the bullseye in his eye. That was, a, that that was a wonderful shot. I <laughs> yeah, do. With the, with I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like wait, was that in his eye, or was, I think that was in 
Uh, no, it was his, it was definitely in his eye. Yeah, it was Kevin. Oh, okay, okay. I feel like I uh, yeah. I feel like I knew kind of early on. Like I just had a bad feeling of uh, like those. It kept cutting back to that scene of her looking for Kevin, like in the parking lot with all the parents freaking out. I think by the second time, because I was just like, this kid's a fucking psycho. <laughs> like, I've just never seen, um, I just can't imagine, like, a kid that young being so manipulative. Like, he was, like, blatantly, like, fucking with his mom. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, and... the scene where he's, um, I can't remember what she's, what they're talking about. I think he, like, gets, like, a jelly sandwich. That's, like, his thing, and he, like, slams it, just, like, bunch of jelly on the table and he's like just mean mugging his mom and then like his, his dad walks in the door at the same time and then he's like his whole like demeanor changes and he's like oh hey dad how was your day like that's fucking like that right there i feel like if i saw my kid do that like i would for sure go talk to john z riley and be like yo our kid is a fucking weirdo bro like he does not like me and then he acts all weird around you or or like completely different like that's like scary split personality there's like evil shit i feel like and then john c Riley would tell you tyler no he's a sweet boy yeah yeah i, I really hated how everyone gaslit ava to no end like from the very get-go when um she brings kevin to the doctor to check and see if he has like some sort of a mental disability or anything like that and the doctor's just completely like playing it off, and all he like the last thing he does is raise up Kevin's arm, and then it flops to the to the uh, table he's sitting on, and he's like, "Oh, a floppy boy. Oh, yep, he's fine. Yep." And it's like, okay, maybe you should go to like another doctor, um, or have some, you know get him checked out by a psychologist possibly, um, because it's like it, had they done that, they might have been able to catch something earlier on. Um, but yeah, each time that she went to Ava or someone about it and was basically telling her or telling them like, Hey, um, you know, there's something legitimately wrong. Like I suspect him of doing X, Y, and Z. And then everyone would be like, Oh, well, what are you talking about? No, he doesn't act that way whatsoever. Like, um, the main scene that comes to my mind is when we find out what happens with the gerbil. Um, I was, Mr. Snuffles. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was tough. Yeah. But, I mean, even from, like, when he was a kid, um, during the beginning of the movie, the look that he has, it's it reminded me a lot of the uh, the stares that uh, characters have in Kubrick movies. Um, like, I got, like, full Metal Jacket vibes. And also, like, uh, yeah. Jack, uh, Jack in The Shining. Just, it's like that downward stare. Where it's just like it's just like an evil, such an evil gaze that just like peers past your like eyes and deep into your soul, and it's like thinking of ways to like manipulate you and just completely be sadistic. It's so unnerving. But Kevin, he's he's a kid. He's just admiring her. Yeah, it's just super See, I, menacing. <laughs> I have a few thoughts kidding. on that as well. Um, I I think that the whole reason, well. Here, I want to ask what all of your takes on this is. Uh, why do you think it was that he did all of those things? Like, why was he, like, tor not only tormenting Ava, but, like, all those kids in the end? 
Oh, I feel like there's so many ways. There's like so many different theories you could have. Like, I feel like the way that the movie ends with him and Ava, like, and his mom, um, you know, like, hugging it out, I think, I don't know, it's like, did he kill his dad and sister t- along with all those kids? Um, like, just for the attention? Did he do it because he hated his mom that much that he wanted to keep her alive and then kill all these kids just to have her, like, suffer through the aftermath? Or is it, like, is he secretly, like, has a thing for his mom, so he, like, killed his fucking dad and his sister and whatever all these kids as, like, I don't know, a, uh, like, an actor to get closer to his mom? I don't know. It might be the second one. I feel like he, like, he, like, admired his mom. This is, like, the reasoning why he kept her alive. Um... I don't know. I feel like throughout the entire movie, she's actually the only one who saw who he really was. And he's the only one who actually showed her who he was. And I don't know. It, it's that, That's my theory. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he almost has like a complex, like a mom complex to where like it's almost like maybe he's so fucked up in the head. I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. <laughs> but like maybe that's, all, that's only his way that's like his way of like showing affection for his mom or something like or connecting with his mom i know that's like such a weird take but like yeah and i feel like the like maybe like what richard was saying when like people are being fake like when she like went out to like dinner with him and she was just like asking him these questions and she's like actually genuinely maybe trying to connect but he saw it as like being like almost like fake saying like oh yeah you're gonna ask me about like this girl in the front row or whatever and like i i don't think he liked that he didn't like her having like almost like this fake conversation with him Mm -hmm. i don't know this guy's crazy yeah or he was just like (laughs) i got from that scene that he was just like that's when i was like okay yep full-blown psychopath like he just like thinks he's smarter than everybody like He's just like, let's cut the bullshit. I know you're going to say this, 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 and this to try and parent me. And it's, I don't know, he's just like super calculated and, I don't know, just scary. It's a menace. I feel like that's a really tough question that you uh, pose, Kevin, because like, that's always the question, right? Why did they do it? Uh, You know, when these mass shootings, like this mass violence that happens um in a setting like at a high school um it's like so morbid and that that does trigger like our morbid curiosity like we want to know like how that felt like what it was what happened what was it like and what were the intentions behind it and um i feel like a lot of times it's not really answered and i think that this film does that purposely with the intent like not to really answer that but we do have the clues like pieces together to form our own answers and um i don't know i feel like maybe he i didn't think about the the mother son angle where like he did it for possibly affection I, I didn't really come to mind but that's a really good theory uh, i just think he just did it maybe out of boredom um 
Yeah, I mean, he has a really good life. Uh, Lynn Ramsey did mention that she purposely set this story in a more of a, a middle class part of society, which I don't know. I don't know what middle class looks like to her, but this looked like a really nice, like upper class <laughs> part of society. But um, yeah, I mean, he had it really good in life, and I think he probably just took that for granted, and he got bored, and you know, uh, he felt superior to everyone because there is a level of superiority complex he has. So, yeah, that's my take. Um, what, what do you think, Kevin? Um, I think from the very get-go, he was wanting attention, straight up. Like, I know that that's a very simple take, but... Um, from the very get-go, like in the beginning, he is constantly wanting attention from Ava, and whether it was with her, or had it been spun the other way around, where it was with uh, Franklin instead, I could see that being a thing too, but it just so happened that he took um, a liking to inflicting pain on Ava to where it became a learned habit and it just progressed until into his adulthood at the very end of the movie um so much so that when we see Celie introduced into the movie where she's born we get like a well hold on let me backtrack um uh when we see some of the scenes between Ava and Franklin um before they had Kevin, you could see how happy and how harmonious their uh, relationship was. And then after having him, you could see it like start to take a turn for the worse. Like they start to not listen to one another. Um, they start to not support one another. There's a, a full-on divide. And I believe that Kevin is the divide um, intentionally um, after a certain point. Um, if, if it didn't start that way... Um, and it just so happened to fall on that, then I could see that being a way too. But um, during some of the other scenes where it was with Ava and Franklin again, well into Kevin's childhood and also into his teens, you could see him constantly trying to wedge his way in between the two and also inflicting pain upon her, whether it was like through looks, sinister looks, or um, harsh words, gaslighting, um... But then when Celie's brought into the mix, there's like an excellent shot where you could see the reaction of Kevin just seeing his entire confidence just melt away. You could see him having to redevelop a new way to obtain that attention from, from Ava. So much so to where he puts on an act to appear benevolent towards Celie and also Franklin still. But he is meanwhile in the process of destroying Celie. Like, he's he's basically, like, devouring her uh, piece by piece. And there's so many brilliant moments in dialogue where it's mentioned, like, for instance, uh, after the whole... Um, the drain... or the, the Drano situation where Celie loses an eye to it, you can tell that, like, Kevin left it out and that he was the reason why she, you know, lost an eye... And how he oh big man for calling the hot for calling the paramedics you know he's just wanting to keep up this act and he ends up killing her gerbil which I I firmly believe he did that um and also I don't know oh oh yeah the the line absolutely that he, he killed it 
Yeah, and the line that he mentioned where he's after um, they're all sitting on the couch when Seely gets home from the hospital, he's like, hey, Seely, you want to go collect arrowheads with me? And then Ava just immediately, like, rings, no, 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 don't do that. And, like, because she's the only one that can tell. And you could tell that she's the only one because um, that one scene that you mentioned earlier, Tyler, where she, where Kevin, uh, you know, defecates in his diaper... Uh, purely for attention and then she finally like lashes out and shows her aggression that she's been like bottling up like he's he's held on to that notion like he wants that again which is why he keeps up the act you know i was gonna say i was gonna like lead into that like i feel like that's the only like his only way of like like you were saying how he like kind of learned that skill or like whatever of tormenting his mom basically like from a young age is like he wants her to like lash back out at him and like react to him i feel like and that's like his only way of like connecting with anybody i guess i don't know mm-hmm. that could just be a weird take and on that note i gotta head out but i look forward to hearing the rest of your all discussion and thanks for being on the show ashley it was really nice talking with you again thank you for having me all right i'll catch you all later Later, dog. All right, see you, Kevin. Bye. All right, now that he left, we need to talk about Kevin. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you. Somebody had to do it. Yeah. So, you know what? Why not? You know, Tyler already did it. I had to do it. And it's Ashley's movie. <laughs> uh, I, I had some. Other thought, I can't. I'm, it's going to find uh, me, though. Carry on, carry well, on. Well, I think another interesting tidbit about Kevin is that uh, he still had diapers when he was, like, what, like, five or six years old or maybe even a little bit older. And then, you know, that scene where he suddenly, like, went to use the restroom, like, they heard him and he flushed the toilet and everything. Um, I thought that was very strange, like, Oh, yeah. Okay. So, sorry to interrupt you, but that's what I was trying yeah. to finish off with my life. It's like, that's his only way of connecting, right? As I was saying, like, she lashes out on him and then he, like, rewards her, re- rewards her, right? Like, she broke his arm and then all of a sudden he's, like, pissing, like, or whatever. Like, like he's, like, potty trained all of a sudden. Right. To where I'm, that's what, that was my only, ex- I was like, I don't get this. Like, why would he do that? Maybe just to be, like, a psycho, but like what buttons what to push and like, yeah, I, like he knows exactly like what ticks her off and like what like like buttons to so like he like shows like I, I'm capable of like being potty trained. I just do this to fuck with you. Is like I think it's like an entire thing, and I'm not sure if like after like she breaks his arm if like. He's, like, in a way of, like, uh, almost, like, afraid of her, but not really. I don't know. Because, well, like, like, that whole analogy that I don't, I think he was, like, saying in the movie, like, in order to, like, a uh, cat to be potty trained, you just, like, stick its head in his own, like, poop. And he'll... Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know if, like, that analogy was, like... Huh. That actually, you have a good point with that. I I didn't even think of that. 
like cover for her and say like, oh, well, I fell off the cha- or the changing table to his dad. But then he kind of also holds that over her head that like, I, you broke my arm, like, and she kind of like lets him get away with whatever he wants. After yeah. That. See, yeah, like I saw that scene as like the first sign of like, okay, we're dealing with like a f- super smart like fucking psycho right now like he's like <laughs> like no like no like no kid even like un, even as like a i would say even like a 12 year old or like you know like he's probably seven at the oldest he's like knowingly manipulating her lying to his dad so he can ha- have leverage and blackmail her like leverage over her because he knows i don't know that by keeping it from the dad that it's gonna benefit him in the future. Also, like, so crazy. Like, I, I don't even think I was, like, thinking about that when I was, like, seven. Yeah, like, that's, that's so like, insane. most seven-year-olds are, like, the thought of, like, maybe, I don't even, like, yeah, like, to have the capacity to know that, like, okay, I have to lie, I can lie about this. Especially something so exactly traumatic. What I want. Something yeah. so traumatic, like, if your mom pushes you... Or, like, throws you across the room and fucking breaks your arm, like, as a seven-year-old, like, that's pretty traumatic. Like, yeah, I feel like, if anything, the most a kid would do is, like, try and make a parent feel really bad and, like, cry and, like, kind of milk it. But, like, no, he does, he goes, like, complete opposite, like, evil, like, toughs it out. And he's, like, lies to the dad and he's, like, now. And then he does, like, that thing where he rubs his little scar um, to the car, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he said that that was the most honest thing she ever did. Yeah, because he does it when she's visiting him in prison, too. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was a cool little parallel. But I had a question. I wish Kevin was still here. I wanted to ask this earlier. It's like, what is your guys' thoughts on all, like, the red or, like, and the tomato scene? And, I don't know, just the red in general. Like, the tomato scene, like, in the beginning of the film... The, all the red colors and then like the obviously the uh the paint all, th- all through her house like splattered and outside her house as she's like you know throughout the film cleaning it um love it so much yeah. i feel like there's like the ambiance of just like having the red throughout the entire film whether if it was like a lampshade or just like the jam or just like her at the grocery store in front of like all those like Campbell tomato soups is just like honestly like so amazing and it's just like yeah foreshadowing and it just I don't know it's just like always like something that's like in the back of your mind and you're always like just constantly thinking about it and I feel like that's like literally how she's living her entire life and like at the like after the event happens it's just like it's like just something that's always there yeah, you mentioned the, uh, about it. <laughs> you mentioned the tomato soup can scene, or the I forget if it's tomato soup or whatever it was, tomato paste. <laughs> um, but I, I like, I don't know. I really like that shot. That was one of my favorite shots of the film, and I thought it was a cool, just like subtle, subliminal message. Like, and then just going back to her cleaning off all the the paint i don't even know what that was i'm like is it paint can't you just like hose it off i guess not it must have been paint the house yeah, straight up paint <laughs> with like that scary like splattered b- blood look but i was like thinking i'm like is she like trying to is it uh 
the metaphor of like she's trying to wash this blood off her hands, like from her name. Look at that, yeah. Guilt, I'm or like, like look at it as like guilt. Like I, she's just I, like I, always I, stuck with this guilt. Like no matter how much she yeah. scrapes away at it and uses this sander, like it's always gonna be there. Yeah, I think you're hitting something there, Tyler. Because in the interview, uh, the same interview with uh, Tilda Swinton talking about how. You know, the parents are being roles. Uh, yeah, she mentions that Ava uh, can be just as violent as Kevin. And um, the fact that she still stays at the house and she hadn't left since the, the incident um, is her way of, yeah, putting all that guilt on herself. Blaming Wait, herself. Wait, no, she's not in the same house. Is she? Uh, um... Not well, the one that, that she, like, raised Kevin. But yeah, she's, like, in the like same that. area. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, and it's yeah. A house she doesn't leave the like, town. Yeah, it's, like, a house that's, like, still near, and, like, it's still near where Kevin is, like, in prison and all. And, yeah. Um, yeah, because even, like, she was being suggested to, like, sell the house and, like, sell her business and leave and whatnot, but she still stays, even though, like, the town hates her, you know? And, um, yeah, it was mentioned how... Uh, the the creator's perspective, they mentioned that like it's a way for her to consciously blame herself and tell herself that she's guilty and that she deserves this. Yeah, like I also uh, that makes me think of the scene when like I assume it's like Mormons knocking on her door, <laughs> like. <laughs> do you believe in God or do you know where you're going to go when you die? And she's like, yeah, I know I'm going straight to fucking hell. <laughs> that was one of my favorite scenes. But it's think like, about... I don't think so. Sorry. What did you guys think about her? Like recreating Kevin's room in her new house. That I didn't get. Oh, honestly, yeah. I haven't really like thought into that or thought about that much because that was like basically one of the last scenes of the film right yeah yeah i really man that really yeah that was such a lasting impression because, I, yeah i it's, think it's like the hug you know that she gave him before she left like for some you know i think any person would not want to be around their child they're like that anymore but for, yeah she still has i guess I don't know, an obligation but, or but unconditional love for him. This could go back to, like, this could be multiple things. It's like, he's all she has now. Literally all she has. Like, no, like she doesn't have anything remotely close to family, it seems like. I don't think there was any, like, grandparents in the film the whole time. But she clearly doesn't have any friends. It's the He's the only person she has. So I think that could also tie into why she didn't leave the town. But... Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's it's so sad. It's so tragic. <laughs> like she literally can't like she is hated like by everyone in her community and yet she's willing to stay, I think in my opinion, just because of Kevin because that's all she has. What's your interpretation of Ashley? Um, I feel like almost like I would say comforting for her to have like I would 
like almost like a normal normalcy before everything happened or just like her trying to get closer to Kevin I guess or try to like almost like rebuild that relationship or fragments of the relationship whatever they had um do you guys know sorry if like he's he was tried as a minor right so he does get out eventually right um i, I think the sentencing that. isn't as harsh or like they're transferring him to another facility um well, she mentioned because, you know, going to big boy school or whatever, so he's going to, like, adult prison. For sure. Yeah, probably something like that, yeah. But bec- I don't know, because because he was tried as a minor, he probably went to... Did they say that? That he was tried as a minor? I believe Cause so. Because you- usually for, like, crimes like that, I think, like, for the most part, they always, like, strive to try him as an adult. But uh, I didn't catch that. I, I believe the laws are it's different in some states, uh, depending on like the crime and whatnot. Um, I know sometimes it happens in other areas where like a twelve-year-old could be cry, uh, tried as an adult for, you know, whatever situation they deem it. You know, so yeah, I don't know. I uh, I guess he could get out in time i mean she mentions that he can get out in a couple years so like after he turns 18 he can get out like by the time he's in his early 20s um that's crazy i mean yeah that's nuts because if i were the parents of you know a child who i lost to someone like that you know how how would you deal with that and you know what do you feel like would be justice even though kevin himself was barely 16 right like he was days away from being 16 um committing this horrific act um yeah it's hard to say you know we have different laws and they're all governed differently everywhere so that's why i like this movie because i've it brings up a super controversial i don't know if it's a controversial topic like mass shooters because then it brings up like the whole I mean it is it brings up the gun conversation the gun control conversation which is controversial but um I like this movie a lot because it doesn't spoon feed you like a certain ideology like a, a back to the title again like we need to talk about Kevin like I think it's just it's great cuz it just like makes you talk about like mass shootings and like the people who do it and the community it makes you consider the community parents everything to where i don't know you're just like it doesn't spoon feed you like a certain narrative like it just leaves it up to your own ter- interpretation and makes you have uh these c- conversations because i feel like you know like this movie doesn't tell you like it doesn't um I don't know as you like watch the movie play out it's not like you come out of the movie and be like okay yeah like it's parenting it's the parenting that that um makes a mass shooter or like that turns a child into a psychopath which who then does a mass shooting yeah and i i think it's like really interesting how like this like film is just like from the perspective of like 
the mom, which, like, I feel like is, like, someone you don't even, you wouldn't even, like, think to have, like, you don't think about, like, what she's going through, like, being the mother of someone who, like, committed, a, like, a mass shooting. Like, that's, like, so interesting to me. Yeah, it's a super unique take. Which is another thing I like about this movie is I feel like for people who don't watch, I don't know, I guess like anything out of their comfort zone, like people who are just used to going to the movie theaters and watching like your typical Hollywood shit, like cookie cutter, like Marvel movie or whatever, like probably can't watch like a lot of the movies that we (laughs) do podcasts on. But I feel like this is a movie to where like it's still in the genre of like a very unique and like... um just original movie to where it's like nothing like your typical like Hollywood movie that like even like with the um, like unconventional narrative and how it's all fragmented and everything it sucks you in like so easy like I feel like to where even like your average movie watcher could just get sucked into this movie so easy and just you know you can't you can't take your eyes off the screen like basically from the start which I think is really hard. It's a hard. That's a hard feat to accomplish as a filmmaker. Yeah, and it's a. I think it's a huge credit to Lynn Ramsey tackling this topic. Um, yeah, it's. I would. Yeah, it's definitely one of those films. I would put it again, like I said before, with Elephant and Polytechnique, also films that generate this kind of discussion about um you know what is the answer to all this why why does this even happen and um yeah i i do have a fascination about this because i it does make me do research and i do look into like the events and uh like the families affected and whatnot and what you know what's the consensus on um the shooters and yeah, just um, it certainly yeah, it certainly is a really delicate topic to talk about. Just because not many people do. I mean, I we never had this type of discussion, and well, at least for me, I never had that kind of discussion in high school or college, or you know, um, yeah, the the debate of like gun rights. It's it's so huge here. People are so adamant about owning guns and not putting any restrictions on them. Uh, you know, when Donald Trump was in presidency, he mentioned that teachers should be trained and to have firearms as well. It's just like, really, we're going to be arming teachers now? Like, that's also their job. Another, like, job for them to do is to, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's very sensitive for people talk about so crazy world we live in brother yeah no i agree and um yeah now that now i understand why this movie like i just yeah I, I was just taken away i had no idea this movie was about a mass violent event like that and yeah now it's up there on my list because i'm still intrigued by it. i'm still looking for more content that uh, tackles this subject because I feel like it's very important, something that we need to talk about. Because um, not talked about enough, and I feel like if we're not having these discussions, then it's just going to continue to happen. 
Exactly. Exactly. I love the name. That's such a good title of a movie. <laughs> yeah, it's very, like, <laughs> ominous and, like, sinister. You know, like, I feel like that's something you never want to hear, like, in general. Or, like, over there, like, or in your relationship or you're at work or something. I'm like, hey, we need, we need to talk about, you know, we need to talk. Or, like, we need to talk about such and such. Like, it's always bad news. Fuck. Am I... I don't know if that happens for you, for you too, but like, I always get really anxious if someone says that, like, hey, I need to ask you something or we need to talk. I'm just like, oh shit, what did I do? <laughs> did I do something? Like the entire time. <laughs> right? Now you're just like thinking about it, like, oh my God, like, <laughs> what do I say? Um, yeah, because I, yeah, I just like that this movie. It's beyond, like, parenting, you know? It's about, like, relationships as well and how you interact with people. Like, different, like, conversations and different, like, avenues of, like, conversation that goes into, like, this film, which I really absolutely love and just... There's just a lot. And, like, I don't know. Like, a lot, but, like, it's also, like, so easy to, like, understand and grasp at the same time. Yeah, like yeah. it's complex yet simple. Yeah, that's like what I was trying to say earlier is it's like I feel like this is like a super original like very unique film. Um but it's also just yeah, like super easy to grasp and can really get anybody into it while also like exposing you to like great cinema like the scene like the there's a sequence um like i guess it's halloween or whatever when she's like driving home and it's just like i feel like that's that scene just like perfectly encapsulates like anxiety or like just like the editing and like there's like overlays editing like quick cuts it's like so uh like claustrophobic and I don't know. Do you guys know? Do you guys know what scene I'm talking about? I completely yeah. agree. I completely agree. And like the sound just keeps getting louder as she like keeps like crouching down and it's just like very overwhelming. It's yeah, so it's overwhelming. like you see like a guy in a mask. He's like walking next to the car. It looks like she's being followed. It looks like like there's so much shit going on. And then she's like in her house. They're banging on her windows. And I'm just like, holy shit! Like this is like. <laughs> Like, I feel like I'm about to have a damn anxiety attack just watching it. <laughs> Can't imagine if, like, you're living that. And I feel like that's just, like, a reflection how, like, she actually, like, feels, like, whenever she's, like, trying to, like, keep it together and just, like, it just feels like it's, like, all, like, coming at her at once. I feel like it might even, like, parallel, like, the moment when she's just, like, tr- trying to get to the school and she has, like, no idea what's happening or, like, if Kevin's okay and then it turns out, like... He was the one that, like, caused all that trouble. Yeah, that was so disturbing when he came out and he got arrested. And he's, like, smiling and she's looking right at him. Like, yeah, the impressions on faces was just horrifying. Like, wow. Did he actually enjoy doing all that? 
Like one felt, such a menace. Oh my god. It felt very theatrical. Because he yeah. was like He was like my in show. the gym, like <laughs> bowing down, like um yeah, just bowing to an invisible audience, you know, like Yeah. Um Damn it, I forgot what I was just gonna say. I had one more. One more thought. That I also like that scene when um she's having a work party and the guy that was like has been ogling her and like decides to ask her to dance and then he just tells her how he really feels about her. Man, I wanted to punch that guy. <laughs> that was such a Yeah, that was so disgusting. The way he uh, acted towards her. Yeah, that was pretty sick. Pretty fucked up. She's treated after, like, getting punched, getting her eggs crushed. Like, oh my god, I feel so bad for her. I'm like, it wasn't her fault. She didn't do it. But, like, I understand why you're upset. (laughs) Well, also, like, that's one, actually, that's one qualm I have with this movie, is I feel like the community reaction and, like, treatment towards her in this movie is kind of unrealistic, because it's, like, her fucking daughter and husband got murdered by her own son as well. And obviously, the whole community would know that, too. Right. Um, To where I feel like, I don't know, I guess I don't, yeah, like, obviously, I don't have a kid that was murdered by a mass shooter, so I have no idea, like, the pain that causes, but I I would ho- I would think that I probably wouldn't fucking punch the mother of the mass shooter in the face. <laughs> like, just in public, you know? Like, I feel like that was a little, it was a little harsh, and it felt, like, almost unrealistic after realizing that, like, it's like okay, yeah, like she was punished too, and it's not like there's there's no evidence that the community knows that she like neglected her child and like turned him into what he became. Right. Uh, yeah, I agree that also almost came off very um, over exaggerated, and I wouldn't say fantastical, but um, yeah, like very. I guess it's for theatrical purposes you know to have everyone go against her and call her a monster and whatnot but But also um, i think that that's i mean i guess it's more likely for that to happen than people to just act like nothing happened right you know yeah like go on about their day like i feel like maybe she's just like a walking reminder that it happened and like like the only like physical one was when she got punched and that's just because like she was like passing by but, like, she definitely, she just, like, avoids people for, like, majority of the film. And, like, there was that one guy who was, like, checking on her and be like, hey, are, are you okay? I might walk again. And I feel like you could just, like, sense that, like, immense guilt that she feels and that she carries around. Right, because she was going to, like, walk away from him. I th- I believe she saw him, right? And then she, yeah, she walks just... away. <laughs> Yeah, like she does it in the grocery store, and then it cut. Then you get that shot of her behind the tomato 
tomato soup cans. <laughs> Which I just thought was cool because I just think like the red, yeah, like represents all the guilt and and sorrow she has, and she's just trying to hide from it, but she can't, even when she's running away. Um, I have an interesting little fun trivia to bring up to you both. Um, have you two seen uh, Snowpiercer? I haven't. No. Um, so I'm bringing it up because Till Swinton is in that movie. Um, and it's funny because she's playing a role that uh, John C. Riley actually was casted for in Piercer, but he dropped out, so she's his role. So wow. I just thought that was funny that <laughs> they're husband and wife in this movie, and then they're up for like basically the same role in Snowpiercer. Isn't that... Is that Bong Joon-ho? Yeah. Yeah, that's been on my list for a while. That is kind of ironic, though, or... That's a weird coincidence. <laughs> right, that they're a match as couples in <laughs> this movie, and then they're up for the same rules, basically, in Snowpiercer. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> But yeah, um, yeah. And with that being said, like any closing thoughts or um, did you remember your point, Tyler? Did you want us to bring up? Dude, I can't. I just I can't find it right now. <laughs> it's pissing me off. <laughs> yeah, it happens to me so many times when we do this, and someone makes a point, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm I'm gonna think about saying that later, and then it just goes away. But I got a lot of my. I, I like. I also just love this movie because. Sometimes we watch movies that, like, I really enjoy, but I, like, almost feel like I'm, <laughs> like, I don't know. Sometimes it's just hard for me to uh, articulate and, like, try and, you know, give my thoughts mm-hmm. on the movie. Where it's just, like, this movie is just easy to watch. It's easy to talk about. And, yeah, I don't know. It's just... It's a fun viewing experience, even though it's such a like a <laughs> dark, morbid film, which is <laughs> kind of weird, I guess. I never, I never thought you would use the word fun with. We need to talk about Kevin, and I'm sure most people associate that with like Marvel movies. <laughs> not, not like fun. Obviously, the context of what we're talking about is yeah. like that, but like <laughs> it's fun talking about movies with the homies. Yeah. <laughs> I was being a little facetious there. But yeah, uh, great pick, Ashley. I would say, I would for sure, like, I've already, like, hit up a few homies, like, yo, have you seen We Need to Talk About Kevin? Like, watch this. Watch this movie, for sure. I'm glad you guys liked it. I'm so excited. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Ashley, again, for the the gnarly pick. Um, It's definitely a really great uh, discussion that we had. And yeah, we talked about a lot of things that we probably wouldn't have talked about outside of this. So yeah, thank you for for bringing this film to our attention. And uh, yeah, with that being said, we are going to close out our episode. Um, Thank you again for listening, uh, our lay film listeners. Um, Yeah. uh, Again, Ashley, uh, we want to thank you for being our special guest 
uh, we hope to have you again. And you're the only guest that has returned. I think Ashley. I think Ashley should just be like the. Uh, like just anytime anyone's gone, she'll just yes. Be just if you <laughs> take my spot, she's already taken my job. I'm on my way out. <laughs> <laughs> for having me this has been like so much fun i love like talking about films which i don't get to do that often so yeah thank you guys so much for having me <laughs> yes so yeah let's definitely bring you back on again sometime in the future and yeah now you can say that you are a recurring a film uh, guest and um yeah uh Everyone who listens to this, uh, be sure to follow us and subscribe to us. And um, yeah, definitely give us a shout out. Give Ashley a shout out. Um, you know, tell her to come on here more. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, follow us on Lay Film Podcast on Instagram, and definitely email us any questions, feedback um, about our episode or any films that we need to look forward to in the future. So yeah, until then, I'm Richie. See you next time. Uh, This has been Ashley and Tyler and Kevin. Have a good night. Eva, when are you coming home? I miss you. I love you.